Welcome to the ACO Show. A lot of what's needed to improve healthcare delivery in America depends on regulatory changes and getting the right financial incentives in place. But what it ultimately depends on is what happens in doctors' offices. For this episode, Josh talks with Heidi Auberton. Heidi is a practice transformation specialist at Allidade, and she shares her experience of supporting primary care practices as they make the changes that are needed to turn the idea of value-based care into a daily reality for doctors and patients. This episode was produced by Francis Bentley and Aaron Wayne. We are here today with Heidi Arberton from the Freedom ACO. We've had the coordinator for the Freedom ACO, Nicholas Baralt, on this show, and we've also had Dr. Lee Fleischer, one of the physicians in that group. And we are delighted today to have Heidi, who's a practice transformation specialist there. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So I know that at a young company like Allidade, most people's roles are a little bit fluid. But I think more than most even, the job of a PTS, if the job definition is, is everything. But we'd love to hear from you. What does that entail, being a practice transformation specialist, or as we say for short, a PTS? Sure. So um, the name practice transformation specialist kind of freaks me out a little bit because it implies that we're specialists in something. But I think if you break it down, um, we specialize in practicing transformation. We're in a cycle of constantly improving, and whether that's the relationships, whether it's um, working with practices to improve on different initiatives. We're just in that constant back and forth of, are we doing better than we were, or you know, do we still have, have room to improve? And can you tell us about the market that you work in? What, what is the Freedom ACO like? Sure, so Freedom ACO is made up of a single physician organization. Um, it's multi-specialty, and we have about 16 sites that we work with there. And it's great to be able to get just a diverse gathering of physicians to to work on value-based care, getting specialist input, um, getting primary care input. And they're all in the Philadelphia area? They are, yes. And when you work with these groups, how how do you define success as a PTS? Sure. So I define it very loosely. Did I leave my doctors and my patients healthier than when we came? You've come up with a term for a PTS that they are relationship equity specialists. It's a nice term. Can you say more what you mean about that? Sure, absolutely. So um, sounds very official, but it's basically someone who is um, specializing in increasing the asset value of a relationship so that it can withstand any liability debits incurred during the course of that relationship. Sounds very scientific, but in essence, meaning we put more in than we take out. Mm -hmm. So building the relationship, so there's sort of money in the bank for when things don't go well. Is that is that the gist of it? Sure. So in the whole transformation process, there are ups and downs. There are successes and there are some not so great learning experiences. And when we have those times where something failed, um, we're essentially withdrawing on that relationship. And if it's not strong enough to withstand that, you know, learning experience for, to put it positively, um, it takes a little bit of time to build that, that relationship back up. Now, having worked with you, I know that you are a nice person and a good listener. You, you you care about your work and the patients. So I'm sure that helps. Are there other conscious things you do to build the relationship? 
100%. So spending time, um, very active listening. I'm always trying to pick up on um, cues that my physicians, my office managers, my clinical staff may be giving me. Um, just really giving them time to speak, giving them time to give me feedback. I'm always looking for feedback for them, always listening first, asking questions, um, wanting to know more about them than they do about the work that we're doing. I've heard you say that you work from the premise that it takes people seven or eight times of hearing something before they understand it. I, I certainly know that for me on a good day, that's about what it takes for me to retain something. How do you put that into practice? Sure. So you can't talk about something too much, in essence. And if somebody is, you know, at a point where they're still not understanding, we just go back around and talk about it again. There's their their understanding and their ability to impact patients is worth my time to spend if we need to learn about something again, if we need to um, talk about why is something important again, if we need to talk through how we're doing something. Um, putting that time and that effort in is is priceless. I'm not sure you, you can't talk about something too much. I, I'll, I'll have you come over to some of my family functions and see if you still think that's that's really true. <laughs> I think some people put that to the test. <laughs> All right, and you talk about leading by serving, you know, getting in there with them so that it's not just their work, but it's you doing it with them. Is that something you thought about before you started this job, or is that something you sort of realized was helpful as you go through your, your work day? Yeah, that's a principle that I try and live by just in life in general. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard to tell somebody to do something that you yourself wouldn't be willing to do. And so to me, leading by serving means, you know, I'm your partner, I'm alongside you, I'm not on top of you, um, I'm not telling you what to do. It means that we've linked arms and that we're in this journey together. Um, we're learning from each other. Um, if I need to jump in and help you in your day-to-day -day work, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Now the PTS at Allidate is the, the most common sort of point of contact between Allidate and the practices. There are others, but you are certainly the most frequent. So you're out there not just trying to build relationships and help them with their workflows, but help them make sense of the data. Yes. How do you think about that piece of it? You know, the data is, is complex and, and doesn't lend itself to sort of quick, easy conversations always. Sure. So I try and not lead with the data. So I will know going into a practice sort of where they are um, with our different initiatives. But my main goal is not to show them data. My main goal is to find out how they're doing, what their pain points are, um, what they've had going on in their practice. And usually when I know the story of what they're living out day to day, what's happened in the past few weeks, the data will make a lot more sense. And then we're able to sort of dig in and say, okay, so we see this progress here, that makes sense. You know, where do we want to go from here? Is there any you know, pain point that we want to address? Um, how, do we want to, how do we want to move forward from where we're at? And what do you mean about stories? Sure. So um, I find it very powerful to be able to know a situation um, and be able to relate data or an initiative to the current culture or the, the um, climate of my offices. So when I think about a story of how am I going to present the data, how am I going to work with a practice, I like to get to know them first so that we can relate and tell a story to them about why an initiative might be important or um, how they could fit it into their their current atmosphere. Any examples come to mind of stories that have moved you from their end or vice versa that you feel like have translated our work in a way that helped them? Sure. So one of the biggest things that um, we struggle with the concept of is risk coding. 
Um, and one of the things that um, has really helped is to put it in the language of, to explain it to providers, to clinicians who might be, you know, um, procuring codes for the providers, um, is to think about it in terms of your family budget. You know, you're, you're bringing all the pieces together of, you know, what is, um, what's important, what do we need to plan for, what do we need to think about, and then the risk codes are how we budget the money. It's how we set, a, set that aside. And that's really seemed to resonate um, with the folks that, that we've used it with. So as anyone who's listened to this show recently knows, we, we've talked a fair amount about annual wellness visits and their, their benefits to patients, their benefits on cost of care. And Heidi, you're out there trying to communicate the importance of this. Has using stories come into play for getting the, the importance of AWVs across been helpful? Sure, absolutely. So um, one one story in particular, um, when we first started working with the ACO, um, not all providers are bought into the process of doing annual wellness visits right off the bat. And so there was one uh, particular provider who um, did his first annual wellness visit and um, hadn't been a huge fan in the beginning, but once he did that first one, was able to assess a patient and find out that they had dementia that he was not aware of, and that led to them then reaching out to family and, and taking proper steps um, to get the appropriate care for that patient. Good. Something about stepping outside the usual clinical interaction that seems helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's been a huge selling point um, on the annual wellness visits is, you know, this is really a time to dig in on the um, less ENME type stuff, you know, of managing a diabetes or a heart failure or, um, you know, those more chronic conditions where we can dig in with patients um, and find out stuff that we may not have top of mind every day. And in general, how does technology, the technology that Allied brings, affect your work? It's huge in terms of we make our practices' lives easier, um, giving them the clinical insight with data, um, with you know just work lists of patients to call that are actionable and, and relevant, and you know prioritizing patients. Um, what, what kind of work lists? Sure. So our, our technology platform, um, there are four main work lists that we utilize. Um, one is for annual wellness visits. We're able to really prioritize for the practices those sickest patients um, that they know, hey, if I have you know five minutes to call a patient, these are the three that I need to call. Um, same for um, ED and uh, inpatient hospital follow-up. We have wonderful um, ADT feeds that um, give us real-time data from the hospitals. And the same thing there, we're able to really prioritize and say, hey, if you're going to call patients for follow-up, these are the ones that we can have the most impact with. And care management, the same thing. Those you know, patients that would be good candidates but are not yet enrolled, um, it really gives the practices insight on how they can have the most impact the fastest. And when you're out there in the field, do you have a sense in your work with the practices about what it is that sets Allidate apart? I'm sure we are not this practices or any practices first attempt at making change? Sure, yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed in working with practices, not just with Allidate, but in, in previous lives, is there's a lot of um, box ch- checking and hoop jumping that our practices do. Um, and then in that process, sort of any type of creativity or um, individuality of the providers sort of gets removed out of their experience of practicing medicine and, and in turn what the patients experience. 
And I like to kind of think of it in sort of a math equation. So um, in in previous work, you know, practices might have experienced what I like to call um, healthcare religion. So, you know, we know something has to change. There's a belief that something has to change. And if we just check off the check boxes, if we just do these things, then we're going to get to, you know, a transformed state. Um, but really the Allidate approach is different in that we lead with relationships. So we know something has to change. Healthcare in general, we're just, there's a lot of work that we need to do in terms of increasing value and lowering costs. So we know that that piece is there, but um, we kind of turn the paradigm on its head and say that um, we, we go to the providers first and say, it's possible. You have value as a provider, you have value as an office manager, you have value as a clinician, and sort of start to peel back those those walls of you know defensiveness um, that can get built up when you're you know just in a you know survival mode, um, and we really want them to thrive. And so once we get those two pieces in place, where the beliefs are there that something has to change, and then they know that they're capable because we come alongside as their partner then the behavior starts to change. And that's really what, what sets them apart. We, I think of it in terms of, um, you know, survivalist, you know, maybe we can turn them into thrivalists if we can, you know, coin a term where they're, they're thriving and have, you know, joy of work returned to them. I would imagine it's kind of a tricky balance because you don't want to come in there with all the answers. You know, we, we may think we're pretty clever here, but these are, are smart, hardworking people. Um, how do you communicate that, that we're not there to, to give them all the answers? Yeah, absolutely. So there's utmost respect for all of these um, practices of physicians, for the work that they've done, for their knowledge base, and really love to have a dialogue with them and use you know more open-ended approaches to conversations where um, it goes back to the data. We use that as a secondary motivator. First, I want to know about you. What is important to you? What do you need from us? And lead with that. Um, and when you find out needs, then we either, you know, typically nine times out of 10, we have exactly what they need and we're able to say, yeah, we have this or we can try this. Um, but giving them options, you know, we're not there to take power or control away from them. We're there to give it back. And, and really return them to a place where they're happy to come in and see their patients every day. And I know that even though you're the one most out there in the practice, you're also part of a whole team that supports you and you support them. How does the team structure work? Sure, so Allidade is really, um, I like to call us kind of the Swiss army knife of, of healthcare transformation. And the reason for that is because we have such a diverse group of teams. We ha- teams, we have, um, clinicians, we have tech folks, we have um, data people. We, we sort of bring everything to the table and um, it takes super strong relationships internally with the company getting to know folks that might be on the other side of the country doing really great work, you know, with our interfaces. Um, you know, getting to know them and building those relationships so that when something does come up in a practice that I can go to them and say, hey, we've got this thing that we need to try and solve for what can we do? Um, and so internally, um, you know, as much as our practice relationships are super important, we have to focus on, um, you know, our internal relationships. And we do that really well. Um, it's been a, been a joy to, to be a part of that process at Allidade. Well, Heidi, I've known you are a great colleague, and now I'm glad to know you're a great interview too. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me.